What's up guys, Saf here on Super Saf Speaks and welcome to episode number six of the podcast with myself, your host, Super Saf. And your co-host, Thunder E from Border Work. And today we will be talking about Xiaomi's new Mi Air Charge, true wireless technology. I mean, we're talking no cables, no pads, wireless charging through the air, which is very exciting. Google Stadia closes in-house game development studio. That's been a new news topic that's just uh, popped up. Jeff Bezos stepping down as Amazon CEO, something that just hit very recently. Face ID may finally work with a mask. There is a bit of a catch, but we'll be looking into that. And we'll also be talking about the Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro, which I have on with me right now. I've had them for about a month and so has E. So we'll be giving our full thoughts uh, about using the Galaxy Buds Pro for a longer period of time. And we're doing something new as well on the podcast. We did put out uh, a poll on uh, Twitter and Instagram, not a poll actually, a question, uh, just for followers to submit questions and we will be featuring a follower submitted question towards the end of the podcast if you have been enjoying the podcast then please do leave a rating on apple Podcasts. and if you're on youtube then be sure to subscribe and hit that like button to play to the algorithm right so firstly let's talk about xiaomi's brand new mi air charge technology which seems pretty insane so now i'm gonna i'm gonna break down some of the key elements of this new technology it's a charging base it looks pretty large and it can offer up to five watts remote charging and the way it works is it's a system of 144 antennas and they transfer energy in a form of in the form of extremely narrow millimeter wave beams now it can support multiple devices you can also still have devices charging if you're moving about and also when something is in the way which seems very very interesting so we've had this dream of true wireless charging for some time we have wireless chargers i'm sure everybody does i have so many across my house and you know they, they, they still need that physical contact. So, you know, some argue that it's not truly wireless because you still need to have that physical connection for the charge to go through. But we've kind of seen lots of concepts of this, you know, true wireless technology. But it looks like Xiaomi has finally cracked it. Have they, though? This is the thing. So mm-hmm. they've showed this technology off, but they've not actually gone into any details about when or if this will ever be available. So it seems very much at you know concept stage. It seems yeah. like they're showing off their R&D. I mean, it seems like they do have something that's actually working and they can show off, but whether or not that's ever going to be available to consumers, that's a big question mark. I mean, yeah, it, it's it definitely is interesting um, with the way the technology is set up. Uh, I th- a couple of things that are 
that kind of come to mind is number one is millimeter wave uh, is what they're using uh, but number two okay. says without anything in the way and you know what we've been told about how millimeter wave works is if my hand's in the way nothing is <laughs> nothing is going to go through exactly so uh then also again there will be undoubtedly health concerns you know just just oh, the yeah. idea of of <laughs> power flowing through the air as opposed to flowing through you know uh, cables or a line or something mm. um, so it's going to take a while before we see it uh, it might it might come out and it's cool to see stuff like this though in general which means that uh, the idea is you once you walk home you open your door your phone's charging you know that's that's the general idea yeah. you know in, in that sense and then you don't have to think about you know if you placed your phone on by the coffee table you're watching a movie or tv show and then you have to run out you have to go like oh i didn't charge my phone it's, it's already no, charged it's charging yeah yeah if, you, if, if you're going to bed for instance and you you know maybe misplace your phone on your wireless charger or whatever that's not going to be a problem because it's wirelessly charging if you're gaming it's wirelessly charging now there's a few things that i kind of want to talk about here you, you didn't mention the health concerns but it seems like, so from what we've seen from Xiaomi, the way it works is it actually, I mean, it's not just giving out lots of beams, it's you have to have a device that's compatible. So uh, from my notes here, it says, uh, the receiving device will have to have a receiving array of 14 antennas. So this is, that's the first aspect, that not only will you need to have this very big uh, charging unit, but you're also gonna need a device that has this compatibility, which is definitely not going to be mainstream. So it's not like how many antennas again? charging 14, 14, 14 antennas. Now they, they are pretty small, but they're going to have to be embedded in whatever device that is. Now this device doesn't necessarily have to only be your smartphone. They are talking about lots of smart home appliances, speakers, etc. that could also be wirelessly charged in this way. So that's the first thing. So you're going to need a specific device that can do it now. Xiaomi haven't specified exactly what the range is, but they've said several meters. So we're kind of thinking it's room distance, right? Mm -hmm. And the way it sort of works from what we've seen in the demos, well, from the uh, concept videos, is that it kind of detects that receiving device and it beams over this millimeter wave um, signal, which then transfers the power, right? So I'm thinking Bluetooth LE as well. So it's at least just for that quick connection to say, hey, I'm here, uh, send me power yeah. type of thing. Uh, Potentially, I mean, so it's there and then it kind of finds that line and then it starts beaming the power. And if you're moving around, it kind of, you know, um, changes the signal uh, to that direction. Now you mentioned health concerns. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure people who are the conspiracy theorists who absolutely hate 5G right now, they're gonna be like, burn it, burn it now. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, this is using millimeter wave technology as well, right? So, so that that that's that's the first thing. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm sure they've done lots of tests and research behind it. But I think that's something that a lot of people will be worried about because you know when you have a wireless charger, you place it on the charger. I mean, it's it's contained, right? Now this is potentially going to go, be going through objects, potentially passing through people. <laughs> It raises lots of questions and a lot of people are going to be concerned. And I think even if this was to be mainstream at some point, I think the adoption, obviously, there's, there's going to be lots of concern around that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not, to me, it's not, even I myself, it's just a concern of passing power through the air, especially hmm. 
you know, in 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 a distributed format. It's not like a point to point where I go, okay, it's cool that I have a speaker here and my power is there, but it's like a line of sight and I can keep it in that corner. You know, this is supposed to work with me throughout the house. So I, I like I said, those concerns would be there, like you said, passing through people or passing through objects is another thing. Um, then again, it could be all safe, which is fine. Um, mm. But I think it's it just has to go through a lot of rigorous testing first of all before yes. and, before it gets it gets out. Yeah, and uh, right now, I mean, they've they've said five watts. You can charge multiple devices at five watts, but five watts is the base charging that we've seen for many many years. Um, the old iPhone brick is is five watts. Obviously, we're used to much faster charging. Even wireless charging, we're looking at around 15 watts. So that's another thing that the charging rates uh, at the at the expense of the convenience that you're going to have, it is going to be pretty slow. And the other thing as well as is efficiency, I think, because you know we know that having wired charging is much more efficient than wireless charging because yeah. you know just the way the technology is. Now, how I mean, when it comes to efficiency, I'm I'm, I'm sure this is going to be way low uh, down the scale of efficiency compared to traditional wired or even Qi wireless charging. Oh yeah, it's it's going to be highly inefficient. Let's put it that way. Um, we are not at the level of Star Trek technology yet, but I do like I look I do like the effort. I do like the idea of that power transfer that is wireless. Uh, I think to me, what this means is. What I like about this technology and I would like to see is being able to beam energy from one spot to another. So, you know, you always hear the sci-fi concepts or, you know, even some just, you know, science concepts of, you know, capturing a solar energy from the moon and then how do you transfer it back, right? If you could actually beam energy, then you can definitely beam it to the planet. Uh, so you can also use it as a weapon, now, by the way. Just saying. Now, now, now we're going way in the future, even past expanse, because we're talking about uh, a Dyson sphere, basically. So we're talking about um, harnessing a, a lot more energy from the sun. Uh, right now, any energy that comes to the Earth obviously has to go through the atmosphere and stuff. Whereas if we have solar panels in space, floating solar panels, we'll be able to harness a lot more energy. How do we transfer that energy? Well, we'll speak to hey, Xiaomi. Hey, hey, exactly. Xiaomi's already <laughs> beaming charging. Xiaomi's so. already leading the way. I mean, uh, I just want to say that, you know, hats off to Xiaomi. They do lots of innovation and we love seeing innovation in the market. Yes, this is kind of like concept stage. Again, there is question marks about whether this will be available or not. Uh, Xiaomi has done lots of, you know, concept devices and we've seen lots of things come from Xiaomi which haven't necessarily made it to the market. It's just kind of showing off what they can do and they will be doing in the future. So maybe in, I don't know, five years time, we'll be seeing this technology advance and we'll be seeing it in more places. But at this stage, it's just nice to see the innovation. Yeah, I do, do agree. But this is also the first step to teleportation. Hey, I mean, come on. It's, it's 2021. We still don't have hoverboards. Come on. Like, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's not good. We need to be moving technology at a faster pace. All right, now let's uh, let's move on to the next topic. And that is Google Stadia, which is what, well, I mean, Google has decided that they're gonna be closing off the in-house development studio. Now, when it comes to Google Stadia, I've, I've tested it out, but I'm not somebody who's used it extensively. E, my man, has actually covered this 
covered Stadia in a lot of detail, as well as lots of other gaming content on your channel. So, E, do you want to kind of break down what has actually happened and what implications that has? Yeah, so uh, Google announced, I believe, a day ago uh, that they were shutting down their Google Stadia in-house studio. Now, mm. a lot of people uh, took this as the beginning of the end because with Google's history, whenever they start doing this with any of their services or devices or what have you, it means it's the end, you know, the beginning of the end. Uh, but yeah. what's also really more shocking is the studios, the first time, the first uh, uh, culmination of the studio was October of 2020, roughly three, four, three months ago. So mm. they just opened up the studio and studios and now they're shutting the studios down. So which means uh, from a lot of speculation, I think what what was going on is Stadia had a bad rap when they first launched. I, I was one of the people who gave them a bad rap because of connectivity, that you know, the data usage and all that stuff. Right now, Stadia runs absolutely fine, as long as you have a good connection. If you have a good connection, mm. when I mean by good connection, I mean I, I would suggest 75 megabits up and down. You should be good to go. So the big, the big thing was uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and they were hoping that would be the big push for a lot of people to get on Stadia. And also the fact that it was one of the few places you could play the game with very little issues as well. You know, if you played on PC, you, you were fine. <laughs> if you happen to find, able to get yourself an Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5, which is hard to, then it was fine. But everybody else had, you know, oh, PS4 or Xbox yeah. uh, One X. They had issues. So they thought that would be the big push. But here's the, the main problem was always with Stadia is that you had to pay for the service, at least the premium service, which is $10 a month. It's $10 a month. But the other aspect is you have to buy the games at full price that was mm -hmm. where the issue is so for someone who already either if you're if you're a gamer you either have a console or a gaming pc you don't want to multi-buy these things paying 60 dollars mm -hmm. twice for something is is too much uh, so i think this is where they are looking at that and i was in a clubhouse room yesterday uh with some gaming heads including some of the guys from microsoft uh larry k larry uh not Larry King, but Larry, I can't remember his, his last name, uh, a few other people, and they, we talked about Stadia. One of the guys there said, it looks like Google is look, moving towards a technology play because now the technology works. And some of the game developers in there talked about how, not necessarily Stadia, but they use services like Parsec, which is what I use uh, when I want to remote edit, to allow people to review games. So instead of them sending you the game, right? Because of course you mm. could, even if you send you, even if they send you a download link, there's a possibility it could be pirated, especially if it's just an early development stage. So, a service like Stadia, where you can host the games on their server and then send it out to reviewers, and they can just play and stream immediately and go, okay, this works, this doesn't work, da da da, and for beta testers as well. Uh, so mm. they talked about that the fact that this the technology now is a proven fact. Yeah. That maybe, and in my mind, I think Google is probably looking to shop and sell it as well. Maybe even looking to someone like Microsoft. Again, this is just me putting that hyperbole there. Because, yeah. exactly, because Microsoft has Game Pass. Game Pass is great because, uh, number one, now you don't have to buy a game anymore. You just have to subscribe like Netflix. 
and you have access to over 200 games um, or 300 games if you're on the console on your PC you have access to about 150 200 and on mobile is over 150 games so that synergy there the only difference is when you're streaming on mobile there's load times just like you were playing Stadia mm-hmm. doesn't have those load times so I think this is where they are trying to go they're probably I, I, I'm just guessing that they're probably looking around saying hey Sony Microsoft uh, Nintendo maybe even you know here you go. Although I mentioned Nintendo, somebody somebody laughed and told me, he's like, look, Nintendo has made so much money of selling us their original Mario on every single system they've released. <laughs> there is yeah. no way they're going to make it a streaming service. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, I just remember right now, so, it, well, in the UK anyway, Google had an offer. This was back in December where if you are a YouTube premium subscriber, so this is where you pay £12 a month and you have access to YouTube Premium as well as YouTube Music, then you can claim a free Google Stadia controller, right? And I went ahead and claimed it and I'm sure lots of other people claimed it as well. Does that does that hint something? Does that like, now they, they, they were practically giving these away, right? Yeah. And now this announcement comes, is that more of this beginning of the end or is that them playing a different strategy i think that was especially because we had something similar in the u.s too uh it was through different partners like verizon and things like that is Mm -hmm. i think they were trying to make that holiday push they were trying to get people and be you know because it's a smart strategy because during the holiday you're trying to buy an xbox or playstation you can't find it and they're like here's Uh stadia it's like but here is the part that they didn't have. They didn't have a subscription to it to go with it. Because if if you said here Stadia, or here's a free controller, and just pay just pay twenty dollars, and then you get all these games, I'll be like, uh, okay. I mean that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like that saves me the stress of um, you know looking for a new console, buying the games, and things like that. Because in yeah. the market right now, they are currently four streaming services. We've got. Uh, Xbox Game Pass, which I described earlier, uh, where, of course, it's a subscription by Microsoft. You can play the games across your, your PC, your Xbox, and your mobile device. Um, and you, But also, again, you can buy the game separately if you wanted to, but why do that, right? Uh, then, you're, then you have Stadia, where you have to pay for Stadia Pro for certain features, and you have to buy each game. So it mm-hmm. basically just racks up in price. Then you have GeForce Now, which is one a lot of people love, but developers kind of screw them over because GeForce Now was one of the best services out there. It basically was NVIDIA saying, hey, we'll create a PC in the cloud for you. You pay to use that PC in the cloud, and then you can install any of the games you bought off Steam, which is a huge platform people buy games off, or, or uh, um, Epic's, uh, Epic's uh, game store or, or any of the various game stores because it's a PC, you just install the game store on the cloud yeah, as you would do. Hmm. and you play your games. And as gamers, we're all like, oh my God, this is great. So now this is now, because as a PC gamer, you're like, yeah, I got a laptop, but it's not as powerful. But if I just log into, you know, GeForce now, I can... Yeah, you've got the... Yeah, and again, I own those games. And again, for a lot of game, PC gamers, we've bought those games. I mean, I have games I bought since 1999 
that are on there before they even started wow. the service. That this is this is that's why a lot of people love it because before they actually had a service, as long as you registered your your games, yeah, you, you automatically downloaded it. But developers said, no, we want part of that money, so we're not going to let you access. And people are like, I bought the game already. <laughs> I'm just borrowing somebody's yeah. PC to use it. And then mm-hmm. finally, we've got Amazon Luna, which Amazon is in the beta stage. Amazon's own service has two stages. They have one where Amazon will give you games to play. And then you can, second is Ubisoft has its subscription layer. So they've got channels. You can subscribe to the Ubisoft channel and you get access to all the Ubisoft games. So a lot of people are thinking Stadia might go that route because it allows them to have subscription services that people can jump into. Except, how many things are we going to subscribe to? You know, this is the age old so problem. So many subscriptions. <laughs> it's just so many. So I mean, do you think Stadia still has a future? Um, it's Google. It's dead in my mind. I've, I've, I. As much as it's really good, I think just going by the pattern of the company and some things they shut down, I think we're going to see that slow decline to it. Um, or unless, unless, of course, they come up with a different model in here and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how you have access to games. Because the thing with gamers is, you know, um, I remember we had a clubhouse room. Um, I think you were in that room where uh, we had Paris, who was the game guy, and then I made fun of Viper, and I said, Viper was one of those people who never liked Game Pass until he got an Xbox, he was X, got Game Pass, and he's like, oh, this is great, because I don't have mm. to buy those Xbox games. I'm like, that's what it's missing from Stadia, the ability to be like, mm. oh, okay, I can jump right in without spending extra extra money. All right, I mean, so let, let's see. So it's, it's interesting news, but... Um... I mean, this is why I've got E here because my man's a gamer much more than me and can really drop that knowledge on Stadia. So let's see how it goes. Right, now let's talk about Jeff Bezos. Big daddy. AKA Lex, Lex <laughs> Luthor. Um, so I actually got an email from him this, uh, this morning uh, from Jeff Bezos <laughs> and uh, the subject line, I actually got this email this morning. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not messing around. You can see it here. The subject line is reply urgent. Okay, I'm gonna read the email out here. Dear my good friend, I'm using this opportunity to thank you for your great effort to our unfinished transfer of fund into your account due to one reason or the other best known to you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna skip some of it and I'll go on to the, uh, uh, the juicy part. I want to compensate you and show you my gratitude with the sum of Eight hundred thousand United States dollars. Man, he's generous. I, I know. He's just literally just stepped down and he's already giving his money away. Okay, so obviously <laughs> this is a scam email, but it was so it was just so funny. Like this this whole news of Jeff Bezos hits, and then you know this pops into my uh, email. Now I think whoever is sending the scam email obviously probably knows what's going on in the news and thinks by using the name Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to get through the spam filters for a lot of people um, so yeah I've not replied to it but I will leave the address for anybody who does want to claim this 800,000 US dollars but I mean let's let's <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the serious story which is Jeff Bezos stepping down as CEO of Amazon and uh, he will become executive chairman a move he said would give him time and energy to focus on his other ventures and I mean this is 
you know, almost like 30 years he's kind of been in this game and, you know... 27 to be exact, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, coming towards 30 years, it's been a long time. He started Amazon in his garage. We've seen those pictures, you know, where he's kind of uh, got that set up and you've got Amazon on the wall and, you know, really started off from... started from the bottom, literally started from the bottom and now he's stepping down as CEO. Does it really make that much of a difference to the day-to-day of Amazon? It doesn't seem like it. No, not at all. Um, I think because he's still going to be heavily involved as uh, as the um, chief executive. Um, sorry, no, executive chairman. Not not heavily. Uh, he will be involved in the key matters. You know, if there's if there's a big shift or big, you know, if Amazon's going to go into new industry stuff like that, you know, the board has to decide on that kind of stuff and go like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Um, at least give, not decide, but at least give give blessing and some guidance to the new CEO. Um, on give there. his blessings. Yeah. You have my blessings. <laughs> if, you, if you are. Um, this is the way. <laughs> yeah. It, what I found interesting was a lot of people found it shocking, I guess. Or may, maybe it's because, you know, he recently became the richest man in the world and got overtaken by uh, Elon Musk. But, you know, he's, you know, he's also been more in the limelight over the last couple of years. And it seems like he's about to disappear. I guess maybe that's what people are. Uh, are looking at in some I mean it was it was a bit of a surprise right nobody was expecting this just to drop yesterday out of nowhere so I think it was a bit of a surprise yeah yeah I I do agree I mean the cynical side of me which I usually (laughs) usually do always goes uh this is this is perfect and it makes the most sense because number number one Amazon is going to be vying with Apple as one of the biggest companies on the planet now Apple has a lot of good graces with a lot of people, Amazon mm. is teetering on that edge because there's always about, you know, there's always talk about how Amazon treats employees, employee pay, you know, th- you know those kind of things. When I mean employees, I mean the people who are more on the ground level in the company as opposed to, you know, mid-level execs. So mm. th- there's some of that. And I think, you know, my, my own thing is, look, he, his, he still owns stock in the company. He's one of the highest shareholders in the company. He's still on the board. Uh, there, so why why be the face, especially if Amazon is moving in a different direction or might be going to certain directions that might might make people likely afraid just because the company's eating more territory so here 's what I think blue origins he he's he's seeing the he 's seen Elon Musk in the news a lot recently, right? Yeah, and Elon, yeah. Elon obviously is seeking lots of progress, especially when it comes to Mars with SpaceX and everything. And I, I think he's thinking, you know what, it's time to step up the Blue Origins game. And I, I absolutely love that because the space race, the new space race, for me, is something that's super exciting. And I think him now, from what he said, um, which was, I quote, Give him more time and energy to focus on his other ventures. And obviously, he does have other ventures. He's looking at, um, you know, sustainable energy and all all sorts. But I think Blue Origins is the one that's, you know, it's one of the key ones, right? Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, there's a lot of big government contracts there to be made. That's the cynical side of me again. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe he's going to work on those uh, on the Dyson Sphere to to harness the energy of the sun. (laughs) Yes. yes, There we go. He he saw that Xiaomi article and he's like, all right, I need to I need to (laughs) make this into a bigger scale. (laughs) 
Uh, no, but it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, uh, he's a very, very smart man. And it will be very interesting to see what he now spends more of his time on. I think it's, we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, in the way of uh, Blue Origins and, and the space race is really going to be going forward in the, in the next five to ten years, I would say. Yeah, I do agree. But I think it's good to see fresh faces and hopefully, you know, different people. I mean, again, we've seen the big, you know, the big tech companies. We've got Tim Cook. Uh, we've got, you know, uh, uh, Satya Nadal in uh, Microsoft, you mm-hmm. know, Google as well. So it's it's good to put some fresh blood, new, because again, there's new direction, new things for these these companies and maybe even just... Uh, bringing some of the things we care about personally because you know maybe this is somebody who's walked through the company the same 27 years but you know came from a very poor background and they're like you know we want to focus on certain things so again yeah new blood is always nice yeah definitely so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes so i think i believe this was on the first episode of the podcast we had a whole conversation about touch id versus face id now the sort of basis of this conversation was Face ID in 2021. The time when everybody's wearing masks, obviously Face ID is not ideal. Now, of course, Apple heard that podcast episode and, you know, took it very seriously and have proposed a solution for us. (laughs) Okay, so that probably didn't happen, but obviously it's been something that a lot of people have been talking about and Apple has now come up with somewhat of a solution. So just to... I like this article here from Pocket Lint. It's uh, around iOS 14.5, which is now out as a developer beta for those who have access and will be publicly available over the coming weeks, iOS 14. Now there is a catch. So yes, face ID will work when you have a face mask, but there's a key thing that you need to have, something that you don't have E, and that is uh, an Apple Watch. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. Technically, it's it's kind of like a cheat um, because it's using your Apple Watch. So Pocket Lint say here, Apple tells us that Face ID works just as you would expect with the new software. Your Apple Watch will give you some haptic feedback to let you know your iPhone has been unlocked. This is similar behavior to using the Apple Watch to unlock your Mac, which has been available for some time. Once again, your Watch proximity, watch will need to be in close proximity to your iPhone. This process will work with Apple Pay too, so you don't need to remove your mask when you're stood at the counter. So, I mean, okay, there's a couple of things. I know what you're going to say. They're just trying to sell more Apple Watches. <laughs> no, actually, no, no, I wasn't going to say that, but go ahead, continue. No, so I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, people are not going to just go and buy an Apple Watch purely for this. But I think it's positive because now, I mean, I've been in that situation many times. I'm in the supermarket. I've got a mask on. I want to check my shopping list. I pull out my iPhone and, you know, I'm just like, oh. and, and it's just one of those things because you're so used to it, just unlocking straight away that I'm just like, okay, I have to. And I know it's totally a first world problem. I have to put in my password. How dare I have to put in my passcode? In my <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. it is one of those things. It's inconvenient. I've got the Galaxy S21 Ultra in my other pocket and I can just tap the fingerprint scanner and boom, it's unlocked. Nice and nice and easy. Unless I'm wearing um, gloves, of course. But uh, that is one thing. And obviously the ideal solution to it is to have both a you know, both face ID and a fingerprint scanner 
in one device. That would be the ideal because then you're covered for all situations. However, Apple now has seen this from consumers who are now struggling with the whole mask situation and have provided this somewhat solution. I've not had a chance to test it as yet. I've not got the beta. I generally don't tend to download betas because I do use my iPhone as my, one of my daily phones. So, you know, I don't like being on a beta. Uh, but um, I, I think it's I, I think it's definitely a good move. And uh, I think a lot of people will like it. Oh, sorry, I was, I was supposed to say something. Yeah, I mean, what are, what are <laughs> your thoughts? Joking. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, to me, it kind of goes back to the what I actually wanted to say originally was options. Uh, something Apple doesn't give its consumers is options. And mm. you know, when the argument years ago came up with Face ID versus fingerprint, it was safer. You know, it's more secure. I'm all for that. I really am. I'm just saying, just give me more options because sometimes. Uh, fingerprint, the pin, you know, the different scenarios. We never knew COVID was going to come, but here it is. I like the idea of using the watch. I think it's something they should have done actually much sooner than this. I didn't, I just kind of looked at it as it's taken longer. Again, as you mentioned with the article, it's something you can do already with your, your MacBook. So mm. I just kind of saw it as being, you know, okay, finally it's here. Um, don't. Go, I would just suggest don't run out and buy an Apple Watch if you don't need to use an Apple Watch. That's just my <laughs> own. I mean, that that would be quite a quite a hefty investment just to be able to unlock your phone when you've got a mask on. Um, So (laughs) I'm not sure how many people I'm sure there will be some people, but I'm not sure how many people will be doing that. But I'd love to see the statistics because obviously the the Apple Watch is the most popular watch in the world. Full stop. Not even like talking just smartwatches. It's the most popular watch and a lot. I'm not saying all, but a lot of uh, iPhone users do have an Apple Watch that goes with it. And for that large number of users they'll have this option now it's not going to be switched on by default it is something that you're going to have to choose to switch on once you have the um uh update which will be coming in in a few weeks i believe Uh, but yeah i mean i i definitely think it's a good thing uh but i still want touch id on the next iphone (laughs) same same here i just want more (laughs) options options it's all about options galaxy buds pro so these are wireless earphones that Samsung released alongside the Galaxy S series, the S21 series, and they are the flagship wireless earphones from Samsung with active noise cancellation. We initially covered our first impressions. He's actually done lots of testing with them. I'm not somebody who necessarily does earphone reviews. That's not really my area. Maybe I'll do them in future, but I thought because of all the questions that people have been asking, I thought, let me kind of break down my thoughts on the Galaxy Buds Pro and also get in his thoughts on being an audiophile. If you're watching this in video form, you'll see all of the collection of earphones that he has in the background. Um, so we can get a, a, a bit of his expert opinion as well. We'll break it down into a few categories. So we'll talk about the sound quality, the active noise cancellation, the fits, the design, battery life, price. So we'll try to cover as many things as possible. So I'm gonna start off with the, um, uh, the sound quality. I think it's actually been very good like overall uh, i'm not somebody who's an audiophile but for me i think they do sound really good and i really like the fact that you can customize how you want your music to sound via the companion app the galaxy wear 
app that you have. So you can kind of go in and tweak things if you have a certain preference. You are the audiophile, my man. So what, what are your thoughts on the sound? I think it's good. I think for its price point, I always like to clarify that. It um, it sounds good. Um, you've got um, you've got some good EQs to play with. I do wish there was a custom EQ. I just to so you can mess around it a little bit more um, mm. to give whatever flavor that you know kind of hits you. Uh, but I think sound wise, it does a really good job. Uh, but that also depends on probably the next thing you're going to. Uh, for me, it depends on the fit. <laughs> which yes. I, I have to kind of go to some explanation on that, but sound quality is, is still pretty solid. So coming on to the fit, I actually, these do actually stay in my ears and I've had these on throughout the podcast so far, but I've had to make a few little adjustments every so often just to kind of like, you know, just they might be slipping a little bit. I have very weird ears and I've said this before, not many earbuds actually fit in my ears. I... I would say I did prefer the fit of the Galaxy Buds Live. They kind of were very different because they didn't sit inside your ears. They kind of hooked into the um, inner of your ear without actually going into uh, right into your ear. And that's something that I really like because I found them to be very comfortable, but also they would stay in more than a lot of other earphones that I've tried. What has been your experience here? The fit for me was, oh man, it was a battle. <laughs> I'll put it that okay. way. Um, it, it, what I mean by battle is because I have one ear, ear, ear lobo ear that's smaller than the other, so I usually use different sizes. But mm-hmm. then I realized that, um, I actually reached out to Samsung for this, they have a different design for the ear tips. The, the, the area that goes into your ear is much wider even though it's still the same size, but the inner circumference is much wider to give you kind of more, better sound, but it doesn't help with the fit because it's also a softer fit compared to see the Galaxy Buds Plus. Now the Buds mm. Plus had that really nice tight fit, you yeah, know, sure. that had some good isolation. So this doesn't. So I actually had to use, normally I would use like a medium on my left ear and I'll use like a small on my right but I have to use I had to use the largest one on my right, and then I had to use I had to use just weird sizes, and I also had to play with the fit properly because that was the only way it was able to give me the right isolation for ANC. So I had I had to play around with that. I know a lot of people just don't have that time. Again, I was doing a review, so hmm. I was so, going so through the process. So that's interesting, because I mean you know I was seeing some feedback from a lot of people, so. Um, on on Twitter after I posted about the Galaxy Buds and you know some people were not really having the best time. So if you are having a bit of a problem, then you know play around with the different ear tips that you get and see what your best fit will be. And that that kind of brings us on to the next part, um, which is the design as well as the active noise cancellation. So the first thing I want to talk about is one thing that I really liked about the Galaxy Buds Live was that the design was unique. Right? Yes, they look like beans. I, I agree, but what, what what I really liked about them was that there was nothing else that looked like them. So the design was very different. And as I was saying that the fit was quite nice on the Galaxy Buds Live as well. The problem was, was because they didn't go into your ears, the active noise cancellation on the Galaxy Buds Live was pretty much non-existent. Um, as far as I found, it would let in a lot of the outside noise. And I think this is one of the reasons why Samsung went with this design 
for the Galaxy Buds Pro because now you have more of a seal which should give you better active noise cancellation. Now I can definitely notice the active noise cancellation, especially compared to the Galaxy Buds Live. But after doing a few tests and taking these out and putting the AirPods Pro in, I still believe that the AirPods Pro have better active noise cancellation. And that's, that, that's my opinion. What, what, what would you say? Buds Live are better, slightly, very slightly. Right. And the only reason why is because of the fit I mentioned. Because when I first used them with my just the normal sizing I usually go with, I was like, uh, this, is, this is not good. Uh, this, this is Because f for, for them, you must have a seal. Like the, it's mm. the same thing even with the, with the uh, AirPods Pro. So my AirPods Pro, I do not use the traditional tips that come with them. Mm. I have comply foam tips. They sound better for me and also have a better seal as well. And the ANC is much better because of those tips. With, with true wireless buds, tips are golden. If you mess them up, you might as well just throw it out the window at okay. that point. Um, so that's why I say yes. But because, I think I'll put it this way, because of the annoyance of the tips, I will still give, I'll, I'll agree with you that it's the AirPods Pro because you don't go through that the kind of hassle that I went through and most consumers mm. won't won't waste that time so you know it, in all in the right settings yes but because you're going to pick it up you might change it once or twice but after that you're not going to be you know sitting around and playing like uh, does this work no does nobody no, nobody no, does do that, that yeah yeah because yeah, no, so, I, I did yeah. spend some time playing around with the ear tips and I and I think I found my perfect fit which was medium and and, and small but I guess I need to play around with things more. But then the, but my, my problem then is that if I do get more of a seal, then I'm not sure how they'll how much they'll stay in to my ears, right? Because then the fit might counter that because then they might start falling off because they're, you know. So so this is the thing, whereas, whereas on, on the AirPods uh, Pro, from what I noticed, I mean, as I said, the active noise cancellation is definitely noticeable on a few, uh, a few people were saying on Twitter as well that after the most recent update, which I have done, it's supposed to be improved. I didn't really notice much of an improvement. But again, when I do kind of compare, I mean, if, if you're just kind of listening, you're not really going to notice. But if I was like, okay, I'm playing some something in the background, I'm doing a scientific test where I'm going to put these on, I'm going to play the exact same track at the exact same volume on the AirPods Max, and then I'm now going to play it on the Galaxy Buds Pro. What is the difference? To me, the AirPods Pro do have better active noise cancellation based on my experience. But from what he's saying, if you do find the perfect fit, then you will get better active noise cancellation. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I wish Samsung went back to the fit and style of the Buds Plus. I think that was just much better. I know some pe there were some people complained that it was a bit too tight, but I was like, look, I'm sorry, it fit in my ears, it didn't go anywhere for a lot of people. I will agree with you. I think that would have been the best choice. I think they were trying to play around to be happy, like find the happy kind of medium meet, for everybody. Me in the middle. Yeah, yeah, and and they just like they just didn't hit hit it well enough on on that aspect. I will say though, uh, one thing I do like about the buds buds Pro and Samsung buds in general is feature sets. Uh, yeah. you know the feature called. Uh, uh, talk to speak I think or I can't remember the exact what the name of the feature is but it's once you start talk once you yeah. start talking um, the volume that is very cool drops down 
uh, to like background, you know, like background lounge music levels, and then uh, the ANC also turns off. You have the ANC on, and it goes mm-hmm. straight into ambient mode, and you can have a conversation. And once you stop, it continues. Except slight downside, though. Um, not if, if you're like me, where you start humming or singing to your music, <laughs> then it stops. <laughs> then it's just like okay, yeah. So it's called voice detect. It's a good feature for sure. Uh, what I do like about it is you can just switch it off. If it's something that's not for you, the option is there yeah. to switch it off. But, I, you know, we, we, we talk about options all the time. I do like the fact that you do have that option there. And, yes, it does work well um, in most situations. But <laughs> too well, can, <laughs> Yeah, too well. Um, I mean, I've not had a chance to test that out too much because, you know, I, there's not really many people to talk to right now in lockdown. So <laughs> it's kind of like I've just switched it off personally. So, you know, I went for a walk um, yesterday and I had these on. And, you know, I, I didn't have voice detect on, but, you know, for me, testing the active noise cancellation was, all right, how much can I, li- how much can I hear uh, the cars um, going past? And it was, I mean, I, I could I could hear them quite a bit. Now, obviously, to the point of safety, yes, but just, you know, I, I'd like to have a lot of that sort of cut out. Now, one of the other things is, like, for me personally, when it comes to fits or a fit of any earbuds, I always have to readjust them every you know, five, 10 minutes or whatever. Just kind of like, you know, just move them around a little bit, just kind of get that fit uh, after you've been walking around. One of the things that I absolutely hate about the Galaxy Buds Pro, which I've not really experienced on many other earphones, is whenever I readjust them, I so far I've, I've cut off three quarts. So I've been on a phone <laughs> conversation and it happened to me this morning as well. I was on a phone call and we'll come on to the mic quality in a bit um, because it is very good. But yeah, I'll just like readjust something and I'll be like, hello, hello. And, you know, I've, I've cut. And, and, and it was, you know, a few people were saying, oh, then just touch off touch controls. It's like, no, that's not the point. I want to have the touch controls because if I do want to, you know, if I do intend to cut the call off, I want to press it. If I want to skip tracks, if I want to play or pause a track, I want those touch controls to be there. But any little adjustment and, you know, things get get disconnected I, I i think they need to work on that i don't know if they can improve that with software or you know i i believe judner in his review was talking about um if they could have like an area which you know is just for the touch but like the outside isn't or something like that which would solve a lot of that I, that's something that i've definitely experienced have you have you had that issue no i haven't uh, it's funny you mentioned that i actually have that issue with another pair of uh, true wireless buds that i'm testing okay. right now all right uh, which is, it's funny because you mentioned it and i was like oh yeah uh, i had one where I, I took it off and i put them in uh my jacket pocket just because i was mm. i was i didn't know which exact controls were to pause i mean like you know i, I know you just pauses when you take it off so i put it in my jacket pocket and then the audiobook i was listening to started playing again i was like What's going on here? <laughs> what is, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but with the with the Buds Pro, I haven't had that issue uh, okay. with it. I, I think I think no, they can customize it because with the Buds Plus, um, mm. the Buds Plus actually has two 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 touch zones in a sense. So this you know the center tap is you know the main controls, and then right above that they are, they have the experimental controls where if you tap on the very top. Top, you can okay. increase the volume. You tap on the bottom. You can decrease the volume. So you, I'm sure they can turn off those zones, 
and then you just have the center zone as well uh, in there. So okay. I think it's possible. I think I think we'll the way they designed the the buds the buds uh, the bud series is that everything is fixable via software. Because remember the original buds, the sound was not that great, and after literally after four software updates, people are like, "This is not bad." Yeah, and they do release lots of software updates. As I said today, um, we got another software update on the Galaxy Buds Pro, so they are trying to improve. And one of the things that I do like the Galaxy Buds Pro for is uh, for phone calls. So that's one thing that I think you know a lot of people sort of discount when they they don't really kind of um, well in a lot of reviews as well. It's kind of kind of washed over, which is phone calls. And I use my earbuds now, especially during lockdown, for phone calls a lot of the times. And I think the mic quality is is actually very very good, um, and we've had multiple conversations, uh, and it's been absolutely fine. So that's that's another pro I would say on the yeah, I agree. Yeah. Galaxy Buds Pro and the battery life. I mean, you've got roughly about five hours on the buds themselves, and then with the case, you've got eighteen hours. If you are using active noise cancellation, if you're not, then it's what like twenty eight hours or something. It's twenty eight hours. If you're not using the ANC, then with with uh, with the buzz themselves, it's eight hours battery yeah. life. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's very good. I mean, for 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 wireless earbuds, very very good, and that's something that I can't fault it. You've got wireless charging, so you can just drop it on a wireless charger. Um, you've got USB Type C again, so uh, and and it's five minutes of charge will give you about an hour of listening as well. So, yeah, on that side of things, absolutely fine. I don't think anybody's gonna have a problem. Let's talk about the price so in the uk they're actually coming at coming in at 220 pounds which is oh. i mean if, if you look at the airpods pro for instance uh the official retail price is 250 pounds but realistically speaking you'll be able to pick them up for about 230 depending on where yeah. you kind of you know where, where you shop for them so you know they are definitely at that we're here in the uk anyway at the airpods max level i believe in the us they're for 200 dollars yeah, two hundred dollars here in the U.S. Um, I think I think Samsung has now decided that in all in all categories they can price the same as as Apple or at least very similar. You know, with the phones we get it that's always been uh, go for go, but with this there's always been some disparities there, and I think mm. they can. I think also with the launch of the AirPods Max kind of gave them that little boost of saying like, yeah, we can do it because also we own an audio company. So it's not like we're making something that's, you know, crap <laughs> in the yeah. first place. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think pricing wise for me, is it justified? I say yes, but I still say they need to, they need to fix a few things uh, for people so that at least the full justification, you know, comes price. to bear. Now, I mean, they were actually bundling these in for free with a brand with a new S twenty one, S twenty one plus or S twenty one ultra pre order, which was a steal in my opinion. Because if you're getting these with a new smartphone that you've ordered for free, then I mean, it's a no brainer, right? That offer has now ended. I just had a look on Samsung's website, and now they give you the Galaxy Buds Live. So they've. Still a good deal. Still a good deal. They are, you know, again, very, very good uh, earphones. But um, that, if you manage to get the Galaxy Buds Pro with your S twenty one, twenty one plus or twenty one Ultra, then I, I think that was that was a very good incentive, and it was it was a very good deal to get these very good, good quality overall earphones 
included with your new smartphone. Yeah, I agree. So overall, we'd say we like the Galaxy Buds Pro. They will be my primary earphones for, I'd say, the next few months. Um, so yeah, thumbs up for us from that. Now we've got a new section to the podcast, which will be we'll be doing this for every podcast now. Before we shoot the podcast, we'll put out uh, a question on Twitter and Instagram. So if you're not following already, make sure you are on Super Sass Speaks. And we will pick a question from one of the followers. So today's question is from Junaid, who has asked a very good question, actually. What would you sacrifice in a mid-range phone? Camera, processor, build quality, or something else? That's a, that's a very, very good question. It kind of reminds me of uh, uh, one of the videos that Marquez did where he kind of talked about you know, a point system and he's like, okay, you've got a budget phone, you need to make cutbacks in a few places. So you know, the iPhone SE, for example, you've got a really good processor, you've got, uh, I would say, a, a, a premium build, you've got good cameras, but you've got an old design with a very old display, right? And that, that kind of like brings it down quite a bit. But again, to meet that budget level, that's what they kind of have to do. You have to make sacrifices in certain areas. So mm-hmm. out of those three, I would say for me, you you know, the people who are watching this on video form, you'll see that I've got a case a speaking case, this is not sponsored by the way, but I've got a speaking case on my S21 Ultra and I'm somebody who uses cases. So for me personally, build quality is something, I mean, as long as it's a good build, I mean, like generally, it's not like, you know, you've got any gaps or anything, but <laughs> as long as, I mean, if it's, I think generally when people are referring to a premium build, they're talking about the use of plastic. Now, I generally don't mind if there's a plastic back such as on the S20 FE or even now the S21. How about you? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think build quality is some way you can cut back uh, because it, you said it quite clearly. We use cases. I, I mean, I know you said you use cases. I can almost guarantee that about 90% of phone users have a case sure. or at least at, at some point in time we'll use a case on the device so i think that's where you can really make some cutbacks and go to some trusty old polycarbonate uh that will give you somewhat sometimes better protection depending on what level of gorilla grass you're going with in comparison um so to me that i think that's a good place because uh when you look at that list that you know was sent in in terms of things to cut out camera is one thing you cannot cut off now anymore it's it's part of a vital yeah. you know day-to-day uh nobody you know at least we came from the age where our parents had cameras like they bought mm-hmm. physical point-and-shoot cameras to take Good us times. or even or even the wind-up ones you know the old kodaks you could wind up and take yeah, and then click you know, on it drop, <laughs> exactly drop it off <laughs> at the drugstore uh, now times. now now it's yeah, now it's it's your smartphone so i think I think, yeah, build quality is, is the part because as long as you have a case uh, and with, the, with again, with the plastic build quality, you can actually have some really fun colors uh, that actually 
give a different statement to what that device is as well. I mean, yeah, um, so. it's, it's easier, I'm assuming, for manufacturers to have multiple plastic color options. But there is a few things here, like when you mentioned the cameras, I think with the likes of the iPhone SE that came out last year, as well as the Google Pixel 4a, for instance, you're bringing some very high quality, very good, reliable cameras to budget devices, right? And this is where it kind of really changes things because traditionally when you used to get a budget phone, you you just knew the cameras will be trash. Like it's just, yeah. it, that was just a given. It might have multiple cameras, right? But a lot of those cameras are not gonna be something that you're gonna ever use, right? But that was one of the traditional things. But I think now, you know, I, th I think the Google Pixel 4a is, is a perfect example because that was my go-to recommendation. I still recommend it. I, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, which which uh, which I've, I've got 350 pounds of 350 dollars. Which smartphone should I get? And you know, the easy recommendation is the Google Pixel 4a because yes, it's got a plastic build, but it's got everything else is pretty good. Yes, it might not have the best processor, but it's got a very very good camera, especially for that price. And I think that's quite important. But one of the things I do want to mention for build quality is the OnePlus Nord, because that was quite interesting, the approach that OnePlus took, because although they went for a glass back, they went for a plastic frame rather than a metal frame. Now that for me, I would, I mean, because in I believe in uh, Zach's Ben test, it actually failed because of that uh, plastic frame. So I would say plastic back, sure, Plastic frame, I mean, if it's enclosed properly, like you've got on the Google Pixel 4a, for example, that's fine. But if you've got a plastic frame with a glass back, then it's not going to be as durable. So, yeah, I mean, there is a compromise, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think OnePlus were trying to be, I wouldn't say cheeky, but it was a bit cheeky as what they were trying to do there. I think if, I think companies <laughs> need to go back to, if they really, if you really want to cut back into some of that, uh, expenditure. You should go back to some of the things that Nokia did with the the Lumia series. That was all fully polycarbonate, you know. Um, and that those things were those things were rugged. They were. I mean, right now I'm sure you can style them a little bit better too. But I'm saying that it was a cheaper method of having a solid piece of polycarbonate that actually doesn't break, uh, mm. and you can still do different things with it. So I think that's something that um, you know manufacturers start looking at at some of these budget lines just because it might be easier for them to say okay look if we cut this down then okay okay ooh, we're saving an extra fifty dollars off here so therefore we can focus on other things that we want to you know whether it's battery and again one of the cool things is just, we know that with budget phones they usually have bigger batteries than high-end phones they do <laughs> they do and, and again like i think in, in the sort of when we're talking performance as well sure not every budget smartphones gonna have the latest and greatest uh chipset but we've seen the Qualcomm Snapdragon 7 series and you know how much performance you actually get and I think for most people you actually get very good performance at that you know budget level should we say even though I mean you've got really good cameras but yes the performance might not right be up there to the flagship level but it's going to be more than good enough absolutely I, I think i think it makes sense but um yeah I, I definitely i definitely like the question i liked what you know the idea that you can pick and choose and, and yeah. decide so 
We'll see how manufacturers actually do that this year. Yeah, 2021 we'll has see. just started, right? We'll see. I mean, it's just started. We've already had the flagships from Samsung in early, but there's lots more to go and there's going to be lots more to cover. Thank you for the awesome question. Once again, if you're not following, then please do go ahead and follow on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Speaks on both. And that way you can get involved in future episodes. And that's all we have time for. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please do leave it a rating on Apple Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, then do subscribe and get involved. Hit the like button, comment. We love seeing some conversation. This is Saf on Super Saf Speaks with my co-host. The DE from Border Work. And we'll see you next time.